You are now listening to Random Ramblings with Rock. Yay. Yay. If you like hanging out at Walmart, if you like hanging out in the aisles, if you like talking random stuff, random random things with Rob. Uh, random rambling links with Rob. Yo, yo. Random rambling links with Rob. Walmart talking. What random? What random? Random random Roblings with Rob. Rob 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 Rob. What up, everybody? This your boy, B-Rob, and I'm back with another edition of the Random Rams with Rob podcast. First and foremost, I'd like to thank you, the listener, for coming back each and every week or however you listen to podcasts. If you're a first-time listener, I appreciate you giving me your time, uh, trying something new, uh, which is being me, which, you know, if I'm your new thing, I should be your boo thing, baby. Just put me down on your subscribe list. Get those automatic freaking downloads and whatnot. Stockpile all these episodes and just go down the rabbit hole, man. You could be like Nick Lobos. I have 160, at, well, with this one, this will probably put it like 64, 65 episodes published. Maybe even more if you count the specials and everything. So damn near 200 episodes of this podcast is out in the world floating around. And Nick Lovers is the only guy that I know Besides myself, because I do the show every fucking week, right? That has heard every last episode of this show. And that, that's that's a feat within itself. And I'm forever grateful for Nick for taking his time to waste his time <laughs> listening to me run my goddamn mouth. But anyway, I got a guest. Um, we've had many of people to come through the Random Rounds with Rob and it, People from adult porn stars, adult porn stars, we ain't got no kid porn stars, so fuck all that shit. So uh, adult films, uh, professional wrestlers, goddamn artists, comic book people, you know, you name it, all those type of people been through here. But the ones that I enjoy the most that come on here are my brothers and sisters. One being um, one of my former service mates that I served with um, on my last duty station before I got out of the Marine Corps. Um, he's what? Um, what are you, Puerto Rican? Uh, yeah, Puerto Rican. Honduran. What? What are you? Now nah, fucking with you. Because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm island beaner. Yeah, I, I made the mistake long ago of uh, calling uh, a Puerto Rican dude a Mexican, and we almost went into a fist fight. So, <laughs> but um. My man, uh, Roque, and this dude here from um, all the time that I've been in uh, surprised me with his uh, motivation and everything as far as um, his work ethic, you know, just his uh, stick-to-itiveness, his, his hustle, his damn getting shit done when nobody else want to get it done, his goddamn kind of going around, you know, certain avenues of approach to get things accomplished. And um, he, he he motivated me to be an overall better person, better Marine. And um, I'm just glad that I can get to talk to him voice to voice, get him on the show and just kind of kick the bullshit, man. So welcome, dude. Thank you. I appreciate it, boss. Yeah. So, so you're in Hawaii now, right? Yeah. Been here for over three years now. So what? first of all, before we get into anything else, what, what the fuck is Hawaii like? I, I'm living through you through your Instagram and everything, which we'll even get to the Instagram thing later. But I mean, how is Hawaii as a whole? It's good. Um, I mean, the island's really small. It's out of all the islands. It's the one that has the party city, I guess you can say, because, mm -hmm. you know, you say Hawaii, but I live in Oahu, which is the actual island. Yeah. And the big island, uh, that one that's actually called, uh, the big island of Hawaii. But it's small. You can only do so much, honestly. And I mean, I guess the only good thing about it is just on um, on a daily basis, there's new tours coming in and out. So there's always different people on island. Yeah. Because it's such a such a touristy island. But I mean, I love to drive <clears throat> and stuff like that. You can only go so far. Um, it kind of sucks being so far away from the mainland because you can't really go many places and plane tickets are not too expensive but they're also it's just a hassle you know like if you want to be able to fly go back to cali or go back to the mainland 
it's a little bit more tricky than just hopping in a vehicle for an 86 and taking off, you know? <laughs> yeah. Man, um, what drew you to the military? What, what was this, the deciding factor you saying, hey, I want to join up? Um, so the first time, because remember I went to boot camp twice. So the first time um, I came out of high school and I was in this business college and I didn't uh, study for one of my tests. And I was going in there and I'm like, I knew I wasn't going to study. Like I knew I didn't study. I knew I was going to fail. And I'm just like, being hard on myself. And right before I walked into school, there's a recruiter right outside. He's like, hey, uh, ever thought about joining the Marine Corps? And I was like, this woman, I would probably join the Marine Corps. He's like, why? I'm like, I didn't study for my test, and I'm about to go take it. And then he's like, all right, talk to me afterwards. I bombed that test. Like, <laughs> I, I think the only thing I got right was my name. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, right after that, I went straight to the office and, I about a month and a half later, I was on my way to boot camp after Christmas. Yeah. Now, now you say um, you went to boot camp twice and whatnot. I mean, I, I didn't really get that whole story because I mean, I'm gonna tell you, you know, we we worked together and everything. I mean, we hung out whenever we hung out or whatnot. But um, there was things that were brought to my attention about you that I never knew, and that was um you doing your freaking um you know how the classes pick their freaking uh, guest speaker and whatnot. And some, you know, yeah. some stuff was revealed about you, you know, the wife, the kid and everything that I never even knew. I mean, I never thought to ask anything like that. And that's not nothing that would normally come up in a regular conversation and whatnot. So what, what was the story behind going to the boot camp twice? Uh, well, the first time, uh, so during BWT, right before we got to the crucible, um, I got hyped and they're like freaked out. They don't know like what cost them. My airways closed and whatnot, and uh, so I got, got rushed to the hospital. They didn't, the morning of the crucible, because they didn't know what it cost the allergic reaction, and obviously, during the BWT area, it's basically the same, like where the crucible was at. Yeah. They didn't want me to get exposure to the same area, so they just sent me an MRP, which is the, you know, yeah. once they're waiting for recovery or whatever. They did all my tests, and then they couldn't figure out what cost it, and at that time, they were they weren't really too concerned about numbers, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So they just discharged me and sent me home. I was there for four months. I even turned eighteen at boot camp. And yeah, they sent me home convenience of the government for hives and they gave me um the code they gave me our RE code was that I had to wait two years to be able to come back or even do anything whatsoever. So Again, two years later, um, during that time, I went back to school. I went back to Puerto Rico. Um, I was going to school, working at Denny's uh, midnight shift, and then that's where I met my girl. Um, and I wanted to join during the time that like, I was in school, and then she got pregnant. So I'm like, all right, I guess I'm joining the Marine Corps. And at the same time, it's just more of a, oh, I know I can do I want to, you know, because, you know, you know, like when you went to boot camp, mm-hmm. there's you either gra- the graduation was your own just was the only thing on your mind. Yeah, like you you, you didn't want to be that one that comes home and be like, oh, I failed. Yeah, and even though it wasn't my fault the first time, uh, I still had that in the back of my mind. Where like, oh, you know, I'm coming back home, and everyone's like, oh, you're a failure, you're a failure, you're a failure, and I didn't want anything to do with that. So, um, I mean, my family was supportive at what to a point, but. Um, and then she, so my girl got pregnant and I was just like, all right, well, you know, working at Denny's is not cutting it. And I wasn't really, I was, I mean, I was getting good grades in school, but it's like, do you, do now that you're, now that she's pregnant, do I continue school or do I continue to work? And then, you know, and Denny's, you could only do so good. So I just found a recruiter. I actually saw him at the mall. I was fine. I went to the mall to buy a backpack. Um, I saw him, I was on the second floor. I looked, looked down, I saw him in dress blues and I literally followed this dude for like two hours around the wall, just <laughs> trying to get him to talk to me, but trying to be like nonchalant about it. And then, um, every time he would stop to talk to someone, I would get in front of him and pretend that I'm looking at something and kind of like try to get his attention and nothing. So 
So I was like, I kind of gave up after that, started walking over towards my car. And then right before I like opened my door, he's like, Hey, and he's Dominican. And then he, he had turned around and he's like, Hey, you ever thought about joining the Marine Corps? I was like, yeah, actually. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm like, I've been there before. And he like looked at me like I was just giving him like some bullshit. And, uh, He's like, yeah, come to my office. And I came by, I came by, I went to his office, brought my big red folder that had every possible documentation in there. And he's like, holy fuck. And I'm like, yeah, dude. And it took, that was January of 2007. No, that was January 2009. And then I couldn't, I got, we got everything approved, but I couldn't sign my, that program until exactly a two year mark. So it was like April 29th when we signed it. And then I was supposed to ship out later that year, but some fat kid <laughs> fell the IST. And I was yeah. like, I begged him. I was like, dude, just send me, just send me, just send me, just send me. Um, and he sent me. And yeah, ever since then, I've been in 10 years. <laughs> Man, it's just, I don't know what I would have done in that situation. I mean, it, it's it was similar for me, minus going to boot camp twice. Um, I I got the, I got my, um, my first wife pregnant and then I was just like, you know, I was making decent money cause I was working at a casino in the kitchen and I was working in the mall. So I had like two jobs and shit, but you know, that, that wasn't helping me in a way of, uh, you know, insurance and all this other bullshit that you would need for a family and whatnot. And you know, it's in my family. My father was in, my brothers was in, you know, so I kind of felt like almost obligated to a point to where like I need to join I should join you know I gotta join but when when I got that sonogram uh, or that uh that positive you know little pregnancy test I was like yeah I gotta go I need to get the fuck up out of here I was supposed to leave in October or something I graduated and I was just like summer hit I was like let's go I need to go right now right now (laughs) well like, like for me like it wasn't bad that I went twice it was more of the process. So mm-hmm. going through maps and being like scared shitless because if you say one wrong thing, you can't go in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or like, um, I kept my mouth shut the moment I got into back into Fort Leonard where, and I didn't say, I'm not Fort Leonard Wow. Uh, Paris Island. Mm-hmm. And I didn't say nothing. Like I acted like a brand new recruit. Like I knew what was going on, what was <laughs> happening, but I, I didn't keep, like I kept my mouth shut during receiving the first initial um, portion and then then people as you know documentation start coming up and you start doing stuff and people um, start figuring it out and I had no choice but to you know they start asking questions and I had to tell them and I was like yeah I've been here before and then that put me in a position where like oh okay so now you're a guy all these people <laughs> and then you know me I'm always, I've always been a dick so I'm like yelling at these recruits and they're like completely clueless and I'm losing my mind because I have no patience mm-hmm. and they're not listening. They're not doing what you're telling them and you're giving them the answers to the test and they're still doing the wrong stuff. And I'm over here like, bro, like it's not this, it's not that hard. But then, you know, it took me a while for me to like think back and have, you know, put myself in, I'm like, Oh, okay. enough. I put myself in their shoes. Yeah. I was in their same shoes two years ago doing the same thing, but now I'm more mature, I guess you can say, yeah. about the process because I've done it before. And when I when that hit me, I'm like, okay, now I need to take it easier on them. Mm-hmm. Like I have to, and I have to like explain things. And you know, we had recruits from all over the that state, so you had to talk to them dif- differently every single one of them because some people would understand by getting yelled at. The other ones, all you need to do is talk to them. Another one, see, maybe you have to shuck, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you you have, the, you had the advantage of um, doing the same, doing the thing that a lot of us had the conversation with, you know, in the military. You know, if I can mm-hmm. go back to boot camp knowing what I know, you know, I would freaking do that shit in a heartbeat, you know? I mean, and you had that, yeah. <laughs> you, you actually were able to do that. Now, um, once it started finding out that you were there before, I mean, were they harder on you because of that fact? I mean, I know you said they found out and they were starting asking questions and then, but they, were they hard harder on you because of that? Yeah, I, I feel they were harder on me just for the fact that they were expecting more. Like there was, mm-hmm. they put me on this on this pedestal 
and they wanted me to perform like my senior drill instructor. So I started in 20, 2060 was my first platoon during receiving. And then like, so I picked up with them. And then the first PT session that we had as a company, my platoon and 2061 were like right next to each other. And my, uh, I was the guy for 2060 and my senior drill instructor was like, uh, Kirby, which is the senior for the other guy. They're like, Hey, Kirby. She's like, let me get your, let me get to me, get to your squad leader. So I'll give you my guy. And, and Kirby's like, fuck no. Cause they're like some <laughs> big, like big, big boys, like corn fed, like mm. big boys. And Kirby's like, no. He's like, come on, I'll give you a guy $20 and a pack of cigarettes. And then Kirby's like, fuck it. Sure. So then I was like, I thought they were kidding. We get back, we get back to the squad bay from, from PT and they tell me to pack my bags to go upstairs. I was like, cause I was first deck and, uh, six, 2061 was on second, uh, was second deck. And I was like, what the hell? And literally, like, I packed my bag and I moved downstairs. I moved upstairs and now I'm 2061. <laughs> I was like, I got traded for $20 and a pack of cigarettes. No. Right. So then Kirby makes me his guide and he like, he's like, Hey, I know you've been here before, blah, blah, blah. Tell me what happened. I told him what happened, like why I got dropped, blah, blah, blah. He made all the senior general instructors. Or all the, all the other instructors, um, walk around with, um, better drill in their pockets, like in the, um, breast pockets. And he's like, don't worry, you're going to graduate. <laughs> and they used to, they always call me, um, 58. Cause that's like the time I got dropped training day 58. And, uh, this, that's all they call me. It's like 58, 58, 58, blah, blah, blah. And. Again, I got, I got put on this pedestal where they wanted me to perform. I needed to be the fastest guy. I needed to make sure that I was, I had to get 300. I needed to be, um, expert on the rifle range. Like it was, there was a lot of pressure on me. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, they gave me a lot of responsibilities and trusted me a lot. So there was a point where whoever the drill instructor was in, in the squad bay, they would just throw me their watch and be like, Hey, have them, uh, have the recruits online in 1945. And I would do the whole scuzz. I would throw them, I would ha- do a sport, uh, star port sides for the heads and had them get them showered. Like I would literally do everything. And in 1945, one online, just the drone comes out, dust the counts, light, flash lights, we go to bed. And it was like that probably from second phase all the way to the very end. And then because I had been there before and I had done some stuff. I got away with a lot of things like, you know, when you get in trouble or you piss them off and you're holding your seat bag in line forever. Mm-hmm. Like I was in the bathroom, just sitting on top of the washer dryer, read a magazine. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the, that's the little stuff like, or my senior where you send me to the head with the guide on to go work on my, on drill. Yeah. And then, I started listening. I start hearing screams. I'm like, all right, I'm in the head. I'm working on the stuff, and I hear I hear screams. And then when I look look out through the little window, like my my uh, recruits are getting destroyed, and I'm like, my I've done this before. Like, I could be like a hypocrite and be like, oh, I'm not gonna go. I'm I'm gonna go do things with them. Hell no! Like I'm not stupid. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out there and get destroyed. Like. Uh, yeah. Nah, I've done this before. I, I've done island hopping that during when I first went through. I got island hopped six times. Mm-hmm. I've had this one drill instructor that fucking hated me, and I went through every single island that I, I went through. Single every single um pit seven times in Paris Island, and that was the most miserable. And that's the only time. Well, I lied. I cried twice in boot camp. <laughs> the first time I ever cried was the second. Um, island that I did because I was just it was it wasn't even I was more like it was a pissed off cry like yeah, I was I so mad that. yeah because I was I was just like why are you doing this to me like I didn't do anything all I did was I I don't remember what I even did to, to deserve it because it was just me and that general instructor he was Mexican too so probably has something to do with that <laughs> and then the second time I cried my senior general instructor he got super sick. And we had just finished drilling and a serious commander comes out and tells us that we got him fired because we were so bad in drill. And so he's gone the entire weekend. So he gets fired, right? 
So he's gone the entire weekend and it's nothing but green belts and green belts and green belts. And they're just destroying us. And there's no one there to save us. And we're just looking at the door, like waiting for somebody to like <laughs> come in and save us from getting destroyed. We literally got destroyed the Friday. Was it? No, not Friday. Uh, Sunday morning. We didn't even go to church. Like we were just getting destroyed from like early in the morning. Like we will wake up and we'll go straight to um, sandbox, get destroyed there. And then come back upstairs and get destroyed upstairs, go back downstairs, get, it was just bad. And then it wasn't until Sunday night, serious commander comes out and he's like talking to us and we have our back towards the, <clears throat> we have our back towards the senior instructor's house and he's like talking to us and he's telling us like, what the fuck's wrong with us? Why are we so trash? Blah, blah, blah. Like he's, it's more like a tone conversation at slash ass chewing. And he's like, 61 stand out, so we all stand up and he's like turn around and we see my like we all see our senior like coming down the hallway dude we all ball like little bitches <laughs> we're like oh daddy's back and we're just like dude i would never forget we like even the biggest guy in there he was like this he was six two about 240 pounds like this dude was mass it was all nothing but muscle we call him the wall and this dude cried more than any, every single one of us. <laughs> like, he bowled his eyes out. And, man, I'm telling you, like, there's just some things in boot camp. It's like, you know, like, we were in a schoolhouse. Yeah. Like, I would I would call my best friend and be like, yo, bro, guess what happened today? And I would tell him something. He's like, no way. I'm like, I swear I cannot make this up. Like, the students do stupid shit. The darnest things. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's just like um, some of the things that you was describing, like how they give you the leeway to do things or whatever. It kind of remind me of all these uh, cop movies or whatever when they have the informant on the inside with the mob and shit. It's all like they'll come in, yeah. do a, they'll come in and do a drug bust, and they'll be like, "All right, everybody, get down!" And they'll just take the one dude in the back and be like, "All right, you get over here. The rest of y'all get over there." <laughs> and you just like chilling in the back of the squad car with some cigarettes and just talking with them and everything and letting them know what's going on. <laughs> Because you know you're the one that caught that. Yeah. And then they got um, what you were saying about um, it, boot camp and just, you know, the senior going away and coming back and everything. I mean, I kind of feel like it's almost like Stockholm Syndrome, man. We, we we there for like three months with these three to four individuals or whatever. They're beating the shit out of us. They're making us do shit that we don't want to do. I mean, ultimately, to make us stronger, make us better or whatever. But in the time, if you're doing it for the first time, not the second time like you, but you're there, you're getting put through all this hell or whatever, but if something was to happen to those guys that's putting you through all this shit, you would damn be lost, you would be sad and crying like however the hell y'all was. I mean, it's just fucking, it's a mind trip, man. Yeah, but I mean, it's all loyalty, though. Yeah. Like, it's just the, the loyalty and the bond that you create is it's indescribable because it's even, even in the Marine Corps when, you know, as we're let's say Fort Leonard, for example, right? Mm -hmm. You are, and it always happens with our students where the Marines would, they would be hate, like the, the Marines within the class, they'll like hate each other. Mm -hmm. the, but then the moment somebody in the army walks by and says something to the Marines, <laughs> oh, oh, help it. Like they don't, they don't, they no longer hate each other. Now, oh, you, you don't, you can't talk to my brother like that. Oh, I could talk to my brother like that. You know, it's just like big brother, little sister, big sister, whatever you want to call it, like relationship that, we'll fight with each other but if somebody else from outside the circle comes and tries to fuck with any of us mm -hmm. that it just doesn't happen it just doesn't happen at all yeah it's just like siblings man it's just exactly like that <laughs> but man um getting to fort leonard whatever that's where we kind of cross paths and everything i think i got there in 2014 how long had you been there before me i got there in january of 2013 Okay, so you've been there just about a year. Um, yeah. What What was that whole thing like for you? Because I mean, we're both uh, transportation and everything, and you going to the schoolhouse to you know teach our own kind and whatnot. I mean, how was that experience mm -hmm. for you? I think obviously it was the most rewarding experience I've had um, in my entire career. Based mainly because I don't know. I guess I was always busy. Mm -hmm. um, whether it was volunteering, dealing with the boss program. Um, and then just training students. Um, I didn't really not have any time for myself. I mean, I never went to the gym there. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I would come in, you know, come into work at 4.30 in the morning and leave around 10 at night dealing with, with students, especially if it was like when I was in Matt, which was the worst, like not the worst time, but it was the most busiest time I had mm-hmm. because, you know, I would come in, deal with students all day. As soon as I get off, I go volunteer, take care of my duties as boss, then come back and like, it was, it was, there's always something with, with that. But I mean, I guess I just put it in myself to just stay busy. Honestly, like I didn't, I didn't do, I didn't go out. I didn't really hang out with anybody. I kind of just, just created my own little Island. And then I just, just volunteer, volunteer, volunteer. And then the few times that I did go out kind of just like, it was just kind of a lot of place for the simple fact that I was so used to a certain schedule, mm-hmm. but teaching my kind, I thought it was like probably one of the best things or decisions I ever made because it was rewarding, you know, like I learned a lot about myself, yes, of having patience and understanding I, I was well, obviously a dick, but well, yeah, I was, was about to say, I don't know about that patience <laughs> thing, you know, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> a lot of it also has to do like voice patience for myself because yeah. there's, there's many situations where I could have easily just choked the crap out of somebody, you know what I mean? And then it's like, mm-hmm. all right, just sit back and think about your choices because if I were to, you know, wrap my arms around your neck, yeah, it probably would be a good idea. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, you built so much in your career at this point just to lose it on the stupid motherfucker, you know? <laughs> exactly. They happen all the time. Yeah. Um, working with you, your leadership style and everything and how you um, kind of, you know, coach the Marines and everything and whatnot. Had you ever thought about being a drill instructor? Because I kind of felt, you know, just the interactions and the experiences that I had working with you or whatever, I think that would have been a good career path for you. But then again, you know, before we started recording proper, you know, it's that time of the year again to where it's uh, decision time to where we're going to stay in and get out. So, <laughs> Yeah, so... I have thought about that many times. I actually had class, two class seats. I was supposed to go this past, um, well, I was supposed to graduate December of last year, mm-hmm. but I actually had to deny orders because I had my seventh kidney failure. And, but being where I'm at right now with my choices and stuff like that, I would throw a package in but I'm kind of more on the edge about that for the simple fact that I don't know if I want to put my body to that stuff you know yeah now let's let's talk about that that's an interesting point that you bring up about the kidney failure seven of them that you're saying but I was there for one of them what number was that I was five Five. Okay. What's going on with your kidneys, man? Where did this all start? Or what can you recall how this started to begin? So the first time it started was in North Carolina. I was with um, one of my unit out there. So we had ju- I just done a CFT mm-hmm. in the morning. And after my CFT, I I went home. Like, I, like we went to work and I was fine. Like, no issues, but blah, blah, blah. Then late that afternoon, I got home in my barracks room. I was just chilling. And all of a sudden, I started getting this, like, like back spasm, like, on my back. And I've never had that before. So I was like, what the hell is this? And one thing went to another, and it got to a point where I was on the floor screaming, trying to, like, figure out what, like, what to do. So they ended up, I couldn't, like, stand up, so they ended up taking me to um, the hospital over at Newburn. And then it was, so they, they released me. They're just like, oh, you're dehydrated or something like that at first. And they didn't really do any tests. They just gave me an IV and they sent me home that day. So the Sounds about morning, right. I, I was supposed <laughs> to follow up with my PCM. Mm-hmm. And they, um, she goes, as soon as I walk in, she sees me and she's like, Oh, it's that guy. And these two dudes just rush me and put me on freaking, um, what's that, that bad call the stretcher. Yeah. And then like they start hauling my ass outside to a fucking ambulance. I'm like, what the hell? And she's there. 
And I'm like, man, what the fuck's going on? She's like, oh, your kidneys are not working. You go to the hospital ASAP. I get to the, I get back to the hospital, put me in the ER. My uh, creatinine level was one or 4.7. And it's supposed to, like, it's usually supposed to be 1.1, 1.2. So yeah. <laughs> and even over 5.0, it's like where you start dialysis for a new kidney. And yeah, I'm sitting there. I'm just like, what the hell? And I spent two and a half months in the hospital. Yeah. I lost. I lost my spot because I was supposed to go back to Afghanistan the following month mm-hmm. or the following uh, year. Lost that spot. Um, the weirdest part with the whole thing was, so after I get out of the hospital, they gave, I had to go see a nephrologist, right? Kidney specialist. Yeah. And they went in and he did all these tests, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, good to go. So, did all my tests. I was waiting for results. I go into my, go back to work and they're like, Hey, you need to come back in. So I go back to my doctor in Newburn and all he does, like, he don't even say nothing. He, all he does is just gives me a letter or this em- sealed envelope and tells me to give it to my command. I'm like, all right. But it was like super sealed. So it wasn't even one of those, like, Oh, you know, let me try to, open it up and see and then no like so i left it i left it closed gave it to my gunny i come back and my gunny's like hey this way let me go talk to our major they open it up and then lo and behold the paper says that i needed to oh that i had three months to live what (laughs) yeah and i was just like the CEO's like, what are, what are you going to do? I'm like, what do you mean, man? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going home. Like I'm staying here. And they, they're like, no, you need to find some plans, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, nope, I'm not going anywhere. And I stuck around for the longest time, did all my stuff. Three months later, I was still in the area and yeah, she, she didn't, she didn't warn me. She was, she was like, for me, she gave me like fake leave. <laughs> yeah. I guess you can say. And told me to just like chill in my room. And I was like, I'll come in and work. And sorry, man, so like, if you fucking come in one more time. I was like, what? You going to take my rank away? Like, I'm already dying, bro. Like, <laughs> just let me do me. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm still here. So obviously it wasn't that serious, I guess. But I had, I had six more incidents and, the other incidents were not as big as the first one because the first one was probably like the major one. Yeah. But when I, the one in Fort Leonard one when you were there, that's the one when I found out I was allergic to Toro and they gave me two doses of Toro. Oh, shit. And uh, <laughs> that's when uh, I found out that I was allergic to it. So getting the Toro and uh, made me, I couldn't walk or talk for two weeks. <laughs> God damn, dude. <laughs> shit. <laughs> And it all motherfucking CFT. So the first time it was a CFT, the time that it happened with me, it was a CFT in negative degree weather. So, I mean, that probably had something to do with it as well. And uh, Yeah. Well, I always, I, my dumbass always waited till the end. And for to do a CFT, you know me, like it didn't yeah. matter how I was feeling or how my body was. Like I had to get a 300 and I had to be the fastest guy. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It there was no, no choice. Like I had to, I had to do it. Yeah, and that's like kind of. And kinda, you won't be, and you know, like you were PFTs. Like there's no way any student was going to be faster than me. Mm-hmm. There's no way that any student was going to be better than me. And like that's, that's just. I guess it's a prideful thing, absolutely. But you know, as a leader, I I would die. Then that was my mentality. Like. I could not have a student be better than me because yeah. it just it was just not happening. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you gotta lose some of them shits, man. Because I remember we had a damn student that ran a fucking fifteen minute two mile, uh, three mile, and shit. And I'm just like, what the? F- that dude is not even human. So I mean, I ain't trying to keep up with that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, man. I mean, 
with with that uh, work ethic, as far as uh, physical fitness and whatnot, I mean, you you got me in shape because I know I showed up to Fort Lindenwood a hot fucking mess and everything. I mean, I'm a naturally skinny dude, but I mean, people don't realize that skinny people can fucking be out of shape too. <laughs> so I remember um, we did Car Wash Hill. I think the first P- uh, PT session I did with you or whatever, and you just had these guys running up and down the hill. And uh, at the time, <laughs> I had to pull some uh, that those uh, staff sergeant shenanigans or whatever. I was just like, "Yeah, I'm just uh, I'm gonna stand up here at the halfway point, and you just send them to me, and I send them back down. I wasn't about to <laughs> run with these motherfuckers, man." <laughs> yeah, but uh, I wish it was fun. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, after I got used to it, it was fun or whatever. And I, and I thank you for that, sir. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm here to make people better. I'm still waiting for somebody. I, I was talking, so I've been running a lot of Kubas courses, on school seminars mm-hmm. here, and um, I was telling the Marines like how I picked up starting really quick, and they're like, "What do you do to help Marines?" I'm like, "I give you guys the answers to all the tests. Mm-hmm. Like, I do everything in my power to." let you guys know what I did to succeed. And I'm at a point right now where I'm, I'm literally waiting for someone to tell me, Hey, I picked up Sergeant faster than you. I did this. Mm -hmm. I did, you know what I mean? Like there's nothing more rewarding than seeing someone succeed because there's, there's a lot of leadership that, does not care about the improvement or yeah. does not care about whether the Marines get promoted. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're here to make, you know, not make them, but we're here to ensure that our replacements are taken care of. Yeah. And that's what, that's who they are. They're our replacements. And I can't, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm not irreplaceable because just people are passed away and guess what? The Marine Corps carried on. So yeah. if I get out the Marine Corps today, tomorrow, everyone's going to show up to work on a Monday morning, ready for PT. And it'll be like nothing ever happened, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier about, um, Fort Lindenwood being the most rewarding place. I mean, I kind of feel that way too, because uh, it done a lot of things for me. Cause, um, you know, here I am doing a podcast three years after the fact, and whatnot, and I kind of credit this to Fort Lindenwood because it gave me the confidence to be uh, a decent—I'm not going to say great—a uh, public speaker and whatnot, doing um, the freaking um, you know the curriculum course and all that stuff. Because you know I can sit here and bullshit with you or anybody. I mean, you you you're a freaking witness to that. But I had to think about standing up in front of a classroom of peers or students or whatever it was and you know kicking knowledge you know talking you know giving a presentation I, I had a definitely fear of that and um mm-hmm. Fort Lindenwood you know kind of broke that for me you know once they put me through the class the course and everything gave me some tricks and tips and whatnot and just working with you and you know a couple of the other instructors I, you know I kind of found my groove and you know I feel more confident in that aspect now I can go stand in front of anybody and just ramble off a whole bunch of bullshit and not even fucking worry about it yeah and I, and and with that it's because i was the same way like even though it was a dick it was more of like for the more maybe more professional i guess you can say in the aspect of talking mm-hmm. so i don't have to constantly have to curse because i was i was <laughs> every other word that comes out of my mouth what's up you know yeah <laughs> um but i wanted to you know i was able to and I got the opportunity to be able to teach classes and do things where I I could teach a three-hour class and not say one single bad word. Mm-hmm. And it was super hard for me, to be honest with you. But if it wasn't for Fort Leonard, like I wouldn't have, have done that. The same thing with like being the boss program, because then, you know, the Marine Corps has the S&P program, and I never volunteered, nor did I really care for it. Yeah. And I didn't take as much... I don't really care about volunteering as much as I did. So I got there and started working with the program and it wasn't really the program as much as it was like the people. Yeah. Honestly. And the people is what made me start loving it. And then once I got to it, it was, it was amazing. It was, I loved it. Everything about it. Um, and it was, it was so rewarding to a point where, 
after I came, I get when I got to Hawaii, I was just like, okay, I'm now gonna enjoy my life, mm-hmm. and I stopped volunteering, and I all I did was just party. I did everything that I didn't do in Fort Leonard Wood mm-hmm. because well, one it was Fort Leonard Wood, so <laughs> yeah, true, true, true. But again, yeah, like the we we more professional, poor speaking, like. It, the reward it's it's just something that you know you and i can use years to come you know what i mean mm-hmm. and it's i don't regret it and sometimes as much as i hated the the area people could ask me if i would go back and i'd probably say yes yeah i don't know but yeah i mean if i could if i had the choice to do it over again you know I would do it again. I'll put it that way. But yeah, it's, it's not, but it's not, I would, I would not, I would never do it because of the place. Yeah. It's only because, because of the job. Yeah. Okay. Like if, the, if that job was anywhere else, if it was here in Hawaii, if it was in Japan, if not, not just never Japan, if it was in like North Carolina or California, like, like schoolhouses were over there, I would, extend, I would, I would probably extend or like stay there as long as they can possibly let me stay. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about the volunteering and everything. Um, the boss program and um, SMP, the single Marine program for both. I mean, basically, you know, for those who don't know, it's uh, for single Marines or single sailors or freaking whatever. I mean, it's probably different in every branch, but um, they organize events for these guys so they ain't just sitting around the barracks and twiddling their thumbs and getting into trouble and shit. You know, there's volunteer yeah. opportunities. They take trips and all kind of stuff like that. And um, I did a little bit of that um, in Beaufort, South Carolina before I came to um, Fort Leonardwood. And I think it's a freaking great program. I mean, I was married, but I was like one of the little chaperones or whatever. But um, yeah, yeah. the stuff they were able to put together and was able to do was freaking amazing and I was just like why aren't we getting more funding for this shit <laughs> you know well and then with the so it's crazy though because like the way the single marine program works in the marine corps it gets actually funded through MCCS mm-hmm. so they all the money comes from MCCS and that's how they're able to like even the marines still pay like a small fee to do yeah. certain things but most of the money comes from MCCS but the boss program, which stands for better opportunities for single soldiers. But when I was at Fort Leonard, we got that change to single service members just because it involves all four, well, five branches, if you include the Coast Guard, yeah. um, to be able to participate. But nobody funds that program. Like, that program is not funded by the Army. We don't get absolutely no help from that, from the Department of the Army. So every dollar that we ever spend was dollar that we made doing concession stands and MWR events or, you know, selling things here, here, um, selling stuff here, volunteering and people donating money to us. Like that is literally, that was the only way we, we only had money to do anything. And then the army came up with this, um, fit challenge, um, where you wear like a Fitbit and you got in groups of like 10 or 12 and four Leonard would won. We made $25,000. And then um, the $25,000 was like for live events or for um, life skills events that we had to use the money for. So I took about 30 people to Kansas uh, to a ranch for, I don't know if you were there for that, but it was like three or four days. And we went over there on, on a bus. We got there and it was, amazing like all we did was we rode horses we didn't we mountain climb we like just did all these life skill stuff for three or four days and it, it was it was rewarding it was you know it was every single one of us that went we participated and we weren't the ones to make sure that everything um like every dollar was was used for that and when and for that where we we i started the first um single service member single service member day mm-hmm. and we 
that's basically just a batch where we just got a bunch of single service members within the Fort Wood area and Bill came in and we had all these crazy um, gifts and watches and GoPros and iWatch and we had iPods and iPads and we just we just gave out like thousands of dollars worth of stuff and in the military nobody wants to be appreciated mm-hmm. because they're like oh you know it's like and it's always weird for me when people are like oh thank you for your service I'm like uh, you're welcome like I don't know I don't know I would never know what to say to that you know what I mean because I don't need someone to like pat me in the back and tell me hey you're doing a good job like I see that as the years go by with the people that I teach you know what I mean like yeah I don't need you to tell me I'm doing good. I just want my Marines to do good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that's, that's enough reward for me. So it was at first, it was like, I was being hypocritical when I decided to start that, you know, single service member day because I'm like, you know, I don't like being recognized, but at the same time, it's not even about recognizing the Marines mm-hmm. as much as, just doing something where everybody comes together. And then I sign more as like, like a network. So instead of me, yeah, I just brought all these people together from four different branches so they can network and get to know each other. Mm-hmm. And there was gifts that we gave out, you know what I mean? And it wasn't, and I, every time I, so when I was doing the marketing plan for it, it was, I wasn't advertising it as, somewhere where like oh you can chill and relax and enjoy after you know hard quarter or whatever work it was more now you come in and network and meet people from other branches because at the end of the day the people to the left the right are the people you have with you and mm-hmm. when you join the military you're so far away from your family the, the the people that you work with become your family yeah because you know let's say you're from bunkfuck egypt and you're stationed in california now you know if you get a flat tire your dad's not going to be there to help you out it's the people you work with you know what i mean and that that becomes your family and something that i i guess i like and i dislike in the marine corps and i see all these memes on on social media how the marine corps is like the foster child system <laughs> where you you are in a location for so long and then all of a sudden the marine corps just takes you apart from all your friends and they send you somewhere completely brand new yeah but- and you know some of some of those relationships last and some don't but at the end of the day you can walk into a new place and people welcome you with open arms. Mm-hmm. Even if, even when they don't know you, which is just crazy to me. Cause even when I got here to Hawaii coming from Fort Leatherwood, I didn't know anybody here. Mm-hmm. And you know, you go into a unit and everyone just like welcomes you. Like you're this like awesome individual or like not even awesome, but they just welcome you. Like you're already part of the family and you can't get that outside of this. Yeah. Now, to speaking of going from unit to unit and everything, you know, essentially having that fresh start and whatnot, um, do you play it the same every time you go to a different unit? Because I know how I come in is not the way I leave. So, like, I get there, you know, I mean, you've worked with me enough to know how I am. But when I first got there, I was nothing like how I was by the time it was time for me to leave. <laughs> yeah. Um, every time I come into a new unit, I- I'm always the same way. I sit back and watch for about two weeks to see mm-hmm. how the unit functions before I even start putting my two cents in. Yeah. Because I've always hated when new people come in and try to change things so they don't exactly. even know how the unit operates. Um, and when I leave, I always try to leave on a, on a good note, you know, because regardless whether I like the people or not or I like the job or not, um, at the end of the day, everything that I do is either going to make or break, you know, them mm-hmm. and i don't i don't want to be characterized as a piece of shit oh he dropped this pack he doesn't care mm-hmm. See? so with for Underwood, i think it was the hardest one because i don't know if you knew so my very last day at for Underwood, i was actually um we had this indoor soccer game that i had planned out with the students yeah and i wasn't really paying attention with I'm like with my schedule. So I booked my flight to leave to Hawaii the same night or I'm sorry, the following morning of the game. And then I was like, fuck, I'm supposed to chaperone this game. Like, how am I going to do it? Blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I went, so I packed all my stuff. I 
went to the game mm-hmm. and Kyle Williams, he's like that dude I owe him for yeah. that's like one of the best people I've ever met him and his wife Paige. But um I went in and we went to the game and then they took me to the airport right after. Like it was and it, I just feel obligated to do it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I couldn't just be like find somebody else, hey, I plan all this stuff, just go take the Marines and then make sure they come back. Like I planned the whole thing and I, I had to leave on a good note and I wasn't going to be good mentally knowing that, Oh, if this things didn't work out, if there's any issues or have people calling me, Oh, the tickets are not here. Hey, what, where are we supposed to go? Like I needed everything to go smooth. Yeah. And again, like the game was over. I left the Marines like put the Marines on the bus and they took off and then I took off and went to the airport and came to Hawaii. And sometimes it's very hard for me to leave, um, like units in the aspect of like delegating or like knowing, Hey, I'm leaving in two days. I have to let you do your work. I've, I've trained you. I did my turnover, mm-hmm. you know, everything. Um, because I don't know. I always feel like I have to be involved. Yeah. And it's it's not a good trait, honestly, because I wish that I was careless, a little bit more careless, but <laughs> I care way too much. Yeah, man. You, you, you talking about that. I wish I could be more careless. <laughs> well, you know. Like, yeah, I know, I man. I wish I could say, like, fuck it, and then not. Because even though, like, you know, I in my social media, I'm like, oh, I don't give a fuck. I do what I want. Which, yeah. It's true, true to an extent, um, but it's never about work. You know what I mean? It's just like just the lifestyle aspect of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now let us talk about that. Um, during my interactions in the time that I spent with you in Fort Leonardwood or whatever, I mean, you, you were um, social media savvy and everything, but um, I think toward the end of my stint there and even a little bit after, uh, you should have just been blowing up, man. I mean, I know you was always doing Snapchat and everything, but you kind of went over into the Instagram realm and everything, started doing all these videos and everything. And also, um, you changed as far as um, physique and everything. You have a little more time on your hands. You're in the gym a lot and whatnot. And um, yeah, man, your social media game is tight, dog. I mean, what, what led to that? Um, So... <laughs> the first thing was the the video I posted on my Facebook. Yeah, the, the where bus. it was the door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's got like over a million views. So that was the starting point of everything. Honestly, I think that's that's what got me to where I'm at today. Um, I was on Snapchat a lot, way way more than I should have been. Mm-hmm. Um, literally people, it got to a point where people didn't even text me asking where I was. They just checked my Snapchat and then they just show up to that location. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's just how it was. Or like, Oh, what's okay up to today? And then they just check my Snapchat and boom, there I am. But, um, so it wasn't until late about June of last year mm-hmm. where I came back into Instagram and I I kind of just sit there. I watch a lot of videos. I went through and tried to figure out how it worked. Yeah. And I, a couple of things I started learning here and there. Um, I was like, all right, started doing it and it started working. And I went from, what's this? I had around 6,000 back in June of last year. Um, I'm up at like 16 now. 169. Yes. And it's, I don't know. It's just, I, I, I guess I just got, like, I got, I, it was more consistency. Like you just have to be like, mm-hmm. consistent. Like I was that just be consistent. And once I figure out and how it worked, I just went with it. And, yeah, I had more time in the gym, so I started taking it more serious. I started with a bet, and then, you know me, I take everything way too serious, especially <laughs> with bets, so yeah. I did that, and there I am now, you know, I was starting, I was like 150, and now I'm sitting at 205. All muscles. And, yeah. 
Now I'm just fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, we're gonna kind of wind down here, man. We're gonna end on a, on a, some higher notes or whatever, because we're gonna talk about a little bit of uh, your favorite thing and my favorite thing, uh, professional wrestling. Hey, <laughs> when did you come? Um, when you when did you come into professional wrestling? When did it uh, first cross your radar and everything? When I was super young, that's all I watched. My grandpa, and then uh, when he passed away, that's kind of just like Get kept going. watching it. Because that's like the only thing that I had to like to stay close to him, you know. Mm, yeah. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, it was at the time, and you even named your dog after him, uh, Kane. Still your favorite professional wrestler. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. So when I was when I got him, I was uh, I was trying to figure out names and stuff like that. And I, I he was actually in the vehicle. Like I had just picked him up, and we were coming, we were driving back home, and I was trying to figure out like. Or what kind of name I wanted to name him, and it wasn't until like I was just saying that stupid stuff out loud because I'm like, all right, listen, if I am at a dog park and I say your name loud and it sounds stupid, like that's not gonna happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're not a dog park and your dog, you're about to go and you're like pork chop, like it sounds dumb. Like I'm not gonna name my dog pork chop, so. Uh, my friend's like, hey, what do you what do you like? I'm like, you know, I love wrestling. Like, obviously. And it's like, oh, what's your favorite wrestler? Kane. And then it, it just, that's it. It's like, all right, Kane. And it's been Kane ever since. <laughs> You've been keeping up with the product lately? Absolutely. I watch everything. Sunday, every Raw, SmackDown, NXT, 205, NXT uh, UK. I haven't really... Um, been into the impact i haven't watched impact often because it's kind of hard but yeah. yeah i've i'm very 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 into everything that's going on right now especially with wrestlemania coming up i just saw this last elimination chamber which was insane yeah i to was, say the least i was there in attendance man it was a great show i know i was very jealous of that <laughs> And what but, what was cool about it too? Um, the two guys that escorted Becky Lynch out the ring or whatever, I had them on the show before. They um worked down here with uh Booker T at his uh promotion. Oh, nice! So I was like, I'm sitting up in the um, oh, well. in the stands and everything, and I'm looking down in the ring because the the black guy he he got the the flat top, and I was just like, I recognize that flat top, and then this. It showed up uh, on the screen above the arena. You know, they kind of zoomed in on the camera. I was like, "That's that motherfucker, JJ Blake. I know who that is." <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been dying. So every time they come to Hawaii, I go. Um, but I'm dying to go back to the mainland and like go to a show. Like I've never. I've been so I've been to four WrestleManias. Mm-hmm. I've been to two. One elimination chamber and one well it used to be called Vengeance. Yeah. Right. But um I've never been to like a live Raw or SmackDown. And that's that's something that I want to really bad or go to an NXT taping that would be awesome as well. Yeah, I think as far as a WWE bucket list go, I haven't um been to a rumble or a survivor series and that's the only two things I really kinda wanna scratch off my list. Yeah, yeah, I think a rumble would be amazing, especially now that they have the women's. Yeah, and that's one. That's one thing I've always been. I've always been a fan of wrestling, but I've always been intrigued of the the women, the the women's roster, especially um, when the whole evolution thing started with mm-hmm. uh, Paige, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch coming into the picture. Yeah, and just how everything has been going. Uh, with them, it's just it's super crazy, honestly, how far they've come. And you know, obviously, with the males, there's a lot of barriers that are broken every year. But right now, with females, I think it's, it's a little bit more interesting, especially the story that they have going on with Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch right now. Yeah, and I'm I'm super intrigued by it. Uh, I know they're doing the same thing with Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston, mm-hmm. but just 
just a matter of time. Yeah. Well, man, I mean, I appreciate you giving me your time and everything. I hope I haven't de- detracted too much from your, your gym session. Nah. <laughs> you good, you good. <laughs> but um, one one day here soon or whatever, I, I want to get you back on here. On um, I do a wrestling podcast as well, and we can get into a deeper dive on, you know, the goings on of a professional wrestling. That would be awesome. Yeah. But um, before you go, homeboy, uh, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. And um, if you got anything planned or coming up or whatever, I see you doing things with different um, brand clothing brands and everything and whatnot. Let them know what you got going on. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, Do What I Want. It's really weird how it's spelled out, though. It's uh, one d- d zero what one want. So, like, the, basically, the vowels are, le- are, num- are the numbers, mm-hmm. except the A. Um, I'm on Snapchat, K-N-W-R-E-S. And basically, if you find me on Instagram, um, I have everything on there. Any aspect of one of the clothing brands that I'm with is called Hera Hero. It's by Jeremy Wendia. You know him. If you're into fitness, you know who that is. Um, you can, you know, go on the website, see the stuff, and use the code ROKE for 10% off. I'm one of those guys. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to get on your level, man. That, I'm like, yeah, 10% off. Yeah, I'm one of those guys. Shit, man, I'm trying to get on but, your level, though. The only thing I want, I want enough followers to where I can do the little swipe up thing on my shit, man. <laughs> yeah, you need, you need, yeah, it starts at 10. Yeah, so I'm, I'm ways off. I got 9,000 to go. <laughs> hey, that's, I, at one point I was there, too. At one point I was there, too. And, again, it's all about consistency um, and just knowing how to play the Instagram game. Took, I mean, I took a lot of YouTube videos and a lot of hours and stuff like that. So I was sitting in Japan. I had nothing else better to do in my life, you know, mm-hmm. especially in in Japan. So uh, I just watched all that stuff. After I got done watching everything from Hulu and and Snapchat, or not Hulu, Hulu and uh, Netflix. But, um, yeah, if you guys, you know, you find me on social media, hit me up. Um, throw me a DM because I... Don't really pay attention who follows me, and I'm really bad at like following back. I'm, I'm a fucking asshole. Sorry, but <laughs> hey, that's just how social media game works. Yeah, that's how it is. But um, once again, man, I appreciate your time. You know, uh, keep on keeping on. I, ho- I hope you make your decision soon. Hope is uh, the one that you really want. Hope everything work out the way you had planned it. And um, anytime you want to come back, this bullshit or whatever the case may be, man, the door is always open for you to do so. Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. And there he is, Mr. I don't give a fuck. Mr. I do what I want. Mr. I pop my kidneys and keep going. <laughs> it was good to catch up with my man. Um, you, As I said previously, as we discussed here on um, the show, you can follow everything that he's doing on Instagram and Snapchat and everything. Uh He's he's living. He's living, man. That's just just what he does. He's taking every advantage that uh, the military has offered him, and he is just getting his money's worth, uh, their money's worth, or some. However, that shit works. <laughs> um, highly motivated, highly dedicated. Um, it was a pleasure to work with the man. Um, I've learned a little bit from him. And um, I I took a little bit of his know-how and put it into my toolbox as well. And, um, you know, it's nothing but good things I can say about this dude. So once again, follow him on social media. See all the shenanigans he get into. Um, Use his promo code. He's one of those guys. (laughs) Hell, use my promo code, goddammit, at Hooks, Rubs, and Spices on Etsy.com. If the promo code is 3RSHOW, get 10% off your order on all orders six dollars or more but um yeah i'm kind of squeaking it in here i went to louisiana this weekend see my family's seen cap marvel which was a uh, pretty good um i can't say it was bad i know a lot of people are giving it a flack um it almost gave me uh um a, a ant-man and wasp feel to where it was like a story that needed to be put out there so it can um be a piece in that bigger puzzle that we're getting here within a couple of weeks (laughs) um yeah man in game is coming out soon and i'm 
very excited. I'm very excited. And um, yeah, I just want to put my eyeballs on it um, or eyeball on it if I was Nick Fury. <laughs> so if you've seen Captain Marvel, you get to kind of see how he lost his eyeball and whatnot. Pretty hilarious. But anyway, we're going to ride on out and uh, prepare for the work week. You, know, you can follow me on Twitter at It's B-Rob. That's I-T-S-B-R-O-B. If you want to talk professional wrestling to any other general shenanigans, that's the place you do it. Um, this podcast here also has its own Twitter, which you can follow at 3R Show. If you want to listen to a professional wrestling podcast hosted by myself and a variety of other individuals that may happen to walk on in and sit on down and uh, have a chat with me. You can follow Wrestling B Trash on Twitter. That's the official Instagram. Uh, I keep saying Instagram. Uh, Twitter account for Wrestling Is Trash. And you can also follow it on Instagram at Wrestling Is Trash. And for finding all the episodes, you can go to WrestlingIsTrash.com. Um, speaking of dot coms, you can go to randomrobcast.com to where you can find all manner of ways uh, to support the show, whether it be uh, monetarily through um, Podbean. I'm saying, keep saying Podbean. I don't. I'm not with the Podbean uh, crowdfunding no more. Uh, Patreon. If you want to go to patreon.com forward slash three R show, you can find me there, or you can go to randomrobcast.com and find a link and click on it right there. Um, you can donate as little as a dollar a month, or if you don't want to have a monthly commitment, you can just donate straight up through PayPal and Cash App. It's all on randomrobcast.com. And if you want to support visually, you know, represent the brand of the 3R show, you can go to the merchandise store, which is contained within randomrobcast.com. And um, I got some shirts, I got some hats. Um, I got some more things coming soon. I just got to get the um, details right on it before I publish it. And um, shout out to everybody that purchased a piece of merchandise. I got some hats flying out your way. I got some shirts coming your way, some stickers and whatnot. And I really appreciate that. Um, what else? Uh, that's about it. Um, the free way, the awesome way that you can help support this show. And you ain't got to spend a dime of your money. It's by listening, of course. I mean, you're hearing me saying this. So obviously you're listening and I appreciate that. But tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. And don't just tell them. Make them listen. Um you can uh, write a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts, five stars preferably. If you got anything less than that, I enjoy some constructive criticism. Um, if you're a podcaster yourself, if you hit me up in the DM talking about doing a pod swap, you know, to where I write you a review, you write me a review. I'm down for that. Hit me up in the DM. Um, but all in all, that's about it. Um, yeah, that's about it. RandomRobCast.com. Find all that stuff. Follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and all those other places. And I'll see you next time.